0: You are now listening to The Open Canvas.
1: Open Canvas, this is Taj Alexander. I'm here with a special guest, but also someone who I consider family in every sense of the word. Graphic designer, a fashion designer, probably doing something creative or entrepreneurial at the same time. I'm really excited that she's getting ready to share with you guys. You can introduce yourself. <laughs> hey,
0: everyone. I'm Cheris Alexander. Todd said we're family in every sense of the word, but literally we're family. I'm a sister. <laughs> I actually would call myself a multidisciplinary designer, and I think that kind of encapsulates all of the work that I've done, but all of the work that I continue to do, it really varies based upon you know the new skills that I'm learning and whatever medium sort of calls me to create the work that I'm working on. So glad to be here. Awesome. So for the Open Canvas, I was really inspired by this idea of a collective that sort of connects different creators and really creates a space for creators to be creative and do work that might be outside of what they do in their daily professional life or whatever their daily practice is to sort of come together and collaborate on some new work and as a multidisciplinary designer I felt like it was a really great opportunity for me to use my various skills towards something so organic and unique and collaborative. A lot of concept building and collaboration with you to sort of create an experience in a space that's sort of really a blank canvas, an open canvas for other creatives to come in and add their touch.
1: Nice, nice. Yeah, so you didn't just start working with the open canvas. What were you doing prior to that? What are some of the things you take an interest to? I do a lot
0: of branding work, a lot of graphic design, web design.
1: Let's talk a little bit about where we grew up. Okay. <laughs> Upstate New York, Yeah. Albany, shout out to Albany. What's good? Yeah. <laughs> like let's let people in a little bit in terms of like us. Growing up, I remember me and our brother Ray, mm-hmm. our young, the youngest. I'm the oldest of the three of us. So it's mm-hmm. me, then you were the middle child, the middle. and then Ray was the young. Mm-hmm. So for you, what was it like growing up as the middle child in our family? You don't have to be super nice just because I'm here. You could. Be oh I wouldn't.
0: I, <laughs> I wouldn't. Um, man, uh, being the middle <laughs> child. See, there's a lot of stuff that I think, you know, a lot of people attribute it to being the middle child or being the youngest child or being the oldest child. And I was never too, I guess, concerned with that. And I think a natural part of my personality type is I'm a very independent person. So whether that's because I'm a middle child, I'm not sure, but I know that I always sort of took pride in being able to be by myself and, you know, have fun by myself. But when I wanted to hang out, I could look to you or I could look to Ray, who's our younger brother, and, you know, just sort of enjoy going back and forth between being independent and then hanging out with you guys it's kind of like the best
1: of both worlds i guess nice yeah because i remember me and ray we were inseparable in terms of us hanging out doing stuff together and our interest as well like right. we were very heavy into at that time it was out like we were listening to a lot of rockefeller freeway snoop uh-huh. dog <laughs> yeah uh, you know just the rappers that were big in the late 90s right. you know that time period but you <laughs> 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 you were like a pioneer. You were on the avant-garde of all the music, and we clowned you hard for it. Yeah, you, I like, know. I remember. I remember. Actually. Like, it's funny because now everybody's like, "Oh yeah, I listen to this and this and this." But you was one of the first people I knew you listened to. Moogian Heap. Oh uh, yeah, that was it. Roy Scott. Like, that was it. These real at the time with obscure bands and acts that I anything I've never was heard like of. an
0: electronic. Yeah. Symphy feel, yeah. or you know, some really weird chords I was really into.
1: Yeah, yeah, because something
0: I'm, about it was just this right. is fire. And right. I would be getting, <laughs> I remember like being in the car getting hyped, and yeah. I would like look around and nobody was, yeah, like, nobody yeah.
1: was feeling it. <laughs> nah, nah, the joke's on us because I mean, we would listen to a lot of Jay, Nas, and any of the dope rappers at that time, but you would slip in whenever we were in the car on our way somewhere with the family van.
0: Yeah.
1: And you would just slip in, you know, one of your burnt CDs or, yeah. you know, some classical music yep. or stuff. Indie band or yeah. something like that, some indie electronic music we never yeah, heard it yeah. before, and at the time we didn't get it. But a couple of years later, we're like, "All right, this uh, is bad. This, this is bad stuff. Yeah, I was like, "Oh, come on!" Yeah, yeah. yeah. Then, then everybody caught onto your wave, but, but yeah. that was one thing that, and I still really appreciate about you is that you were always forward thinking and you were always doing things unconventional. Like even your interests were unconventional. Yeah, that that meant a lot. You had a lot of foresight you saw a lot of what would become the cool thing you, you knew what was up before people and you just liked it because you liked it it wasn't because you were yeah interested in it because it was gonna be something no. you're just like no i like this type of music yeah. or this type of fashion or style
0: absolutely yeah and
1: it, and it showed in every facet of your expression as well for you was that something that you just sort of grew into naturally or was it just something that you sort of had to seek out or find
0: Yeah, I think you kind of answered that. Everything that I was interested in, everything that I did, it was for myself. And I didn't really seek any approval from anyone. And that might have had a lot to do with it because I was never really interested specifically in fitting in. It just kind of happened naturally. I was never interested in being trendy. I just was attracted to whatever I was attracted to. And I just wanted to partake in things that gave me happiness. And I think... Again, I don't know if it's because of a middle child or because of my personality type or whatever it is, but whether or not I got acceptance from anybody else never really affected me because I was like, if you're not with it, then that's fine. I'll yeah. just enjoy it by myself and yeah. that's cool too. Yeah. So yeah, I never really sought it out. In retrospect, I'm glad yeah, to hear uh-huh. that you guys recognize that...
1: Finally. <laughs> finally
0: yeah, I know. I'm not trying to be nice. Nah, that, nah, nah. that you recognize that I was interested in things, though they were eclectic, that I found actually brilliant. You know, yeah. the music that I was listening to. I mean, man, it amazes me every day when I come... Ac- maybe not every day specifically, but, you know, every now and then I come across an innovative song or musician or artist or whatever who isn't necessarily mainstream. And every single time that that happens I'm just so in awe that I can appreciate it just for what it is not Bye. because it's a trend not because I was introduced to it by some publication yeah. or social media or whatever it might be that's always like a really exciting feeling because it feels like if you're pure like you're almost more connected to mm. whatever that piece of art is because you were introduced to it in a way that was very I guess
1: direct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's the best feeling too. I think that with any form of art, like whether it's like a good song, mm-hmm. you may hear it at a party and the DJ just puts it on. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have like your Shazam, you can't pull out your Shazam fast right, enough, right. and you're just like, damn, oh, this is like my favorite song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it, it hurts that you can't figure out what it is, but at the same time, you're in the moment. You're just like, yo, I love this song. Right, like, right I don't even right. know who it is or what it is, right. but this is my jam now. Right, right. You know, right. but then maybe a couple of weeks go by and then you hear it again and then you're like, oh, finally, now right, I know what the right, song right. is. Even with art, too, like...
0: Yeah, it's the same.
1: I mean, us growing up, too, our parents were very intentional about taking us to museums. Yeah. I remember going to one of the museums in Albany. The Egg. The Egg. (laughs) It was called The egg, and we I mean, that's not what
0: it was not, called.
1: No, uh, well, it was by The Egg. It was
0: by The Egg, and, um, which is a piece of architecture yeah, um, yeah. in the capital. Yeah. Those who
1: know, know. Yeah. And one of the things, like a rainy Sunday, mom or dad both would take us to that museum. Yeah. And we would just run around and look at all these amazing pieces of art and things we probably didn't really understand at the time. But, like, it's that sense of discovery right. like that was instilled in us early. We, early, weren't, very early we weren't set in our ways we were like right. you know what we know what we like but what else can we explore right, what else right. is out there so that was really major and that's something that I see in you
0: absolutely and I think with that sense of discovery I'll go further and say that I mean, especially for me, and I think for you as well, and even our younger brother, Ray, we're very interested in investigating and researching further. So if we see a piece of art or hear a piece of music that's by a particular artist, we'll find that, and then it's like a rabbit hole almost. Like, oh, what other music did they create? Oh, they collaborated with this artist, so let's hear that. You know, like, oh, what was the first album? Look at the transition. What is the meaning behind it? You know, what cultures were they inspired by? And that whole process enriches the discovery even further because you're really at that point sort of expanding the context around whatever that piece of art mm. is or that piece of music or you know whatever it may be and that just makes the excitement even stronger. Even
1: better, yeah. yeah. So now that we both live in New York City and we're sort of finding our way in regards to like our passions and how mm-hmm. we can make that our life, mm-hmm. what has that been like for you? It's never an easy road for a creative because you're, yeah. you're always met with challenges and met with People who don't see the value in your work. So, for you, how's that been?
0: Yeah, the journey, it's been a winding path, I guess. I feel like As each year goes by, I can look back and see the connection between all of the different things that I've done and the different places that I've worked or the projects that I've worked on. But at the time, it definitely feels like every jump is a new jump. Yeah. It's not until you get further along that you realize that, oh, that was for a reason. That was very purposeful. That was connected to this, connected to that. Yeah. And it's very, I guess, not, it's not innate to me. I used to be very goal-oriented. Especially growing up, like, in high school, as soon as I decided I wanted to be a fashion designer or work in fashion, that was my goal. And everything I did up until achieving that goal was very intentional and very specific and very, it was a very specific path.
1: Calculated. Very
0: calculated, exactly. Mm. And it wasn't until I achieved that goal that I was like, hey, this isn't necessarily what I want it to be. I don't know what my next end goal is going to be, but let me just sort of go towards whatever I feel like is attracting me and see where that leads me. And living spontaneously like that or working in a spontaneous way like that can definitely be unsettling. There can be a lot less stability in that way, you know, financially, company-wise, whatever that means for an artist. But in the long run, I definitely think it's been a lot more rewarding. I feel Mm. like I've opened myself up to a lot more things and a lot of different people and a lot of different environments that I might not have otherwise if I was very specifically goal oriented towards one specific thing. Yeah. Towards a specific box. Right, let's right. say. Yeah. yeah.
1: I think that's that's the story of a lot of our lives, you yeah. know, like society sometimes will label you even you're just like finding your way as a kid and you realize oh i'm good at this then everybody else recognizes that you're good at this and then you're sort of already labeled and put into a box of this is Mm -hmm. what you're going to be for the rest Mm -hmm. of your life everyone's like how's this going are you still doing this are you Mm -hmm. still doing this and you may be and Mm -hmm. you may get to the road like a lot of people Mm -hmm. you know you graduate with Mm -hmm. a degree in what you said you wanted to do Mm -hmm. and then you're like Mm -hmm. wait a second
0: yeah (laughs)
1: Well, maybe it's the the industry or maybe it's just like, I have different passions. Mm-hmm, I want to explore mm-hmm. other things. Mm-hmm. And I think still opening yourself up to the freedom to, like you said, almost be spontaneous. Mm-hmm. It's the harder road because it's not completely set in stone. It's not completely secure. Mm-hmm. But in the end, it's much more rewarding mm-hmm, because you're truly learning and growing as a human. Mm. Your, your passions are growing as a human. Yes. It's more natural that it's way. It's the
0: growth that's, yeah. I think, really attractive to a lot of people who do this because you know you can definitely grow within one industry or within one field, within one company, and that's a very specific type of growth and that's an excellent type of growth, but as long as you're growing, and long as you're providing a path or environment for yourself where you can continually do that, then I think that you'll live a much more fulfilling life.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Overall, yeah.
1: Absolutely. One of those aspects in growth that I see in you is your passion to travel. Recently, I've been traveling a lot more, but really my inspiration for traveling came through you because you were the first one out of our family to actually leave the country. Yeah. Like, (laughs) And I I, was ready. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. As soon as I
0: was, like 15 or 16, whenever I could get my passport, I was like,
1: You were like, I'm "I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) So that was something that I really value in you, your confidence and your bravery to go out there just into the unknown. So what was the first country you traveled to? Japan. Japan. You you said, all right, I'm traveling. Let me go as far as I can. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Like, how old were you? Do you remember?
0: I don't remember how old I was. Maybe like 17? 17. Something like that. 17
1: or 18.
0: Yeah. I mean, fortunately, I was visiting a friend who was from there, so she lived there, so I could get a little bit of more of a local experience. I didn't speak the language, but you know, I knew a little bit based on things that I had self taught myself. Another thing I like to teach myself are languages Mm. in addition to different creative technical skills. But yeah, yeah, it was really great. Mm. I, I felt like it was really refreshing. I felt like everything that I had hoped was outside of my environment was there, you know, like you grow up and you know what your environment's like and then everything else you just sort of read about or see in the media. Yeah, And someone's like you want to prove that, like, ah, mm. yes, it really is different than where <laughs> yes. I am. And, yeah. and it was. It was different in every way that I expected it would be, which was really exciting. What I loved about it the most, in addition to the food, because I love Japanese food, yes. but <laughs> I really loved observing how structurally different the society and the culture was. Mm and how intricately different it was. I think it's really easy to sort of generalize this culture, this country is different and then just leave it at that. Yeah. Which leads to a lot of misunderstandings actually. Mm. But if you can really accept that it's different and then dig deeper and find out why it's different and why people interact the way they do, why are they so polite? Why is this, why is it that? it really becomes like an educational trip because then you're just observing and you're more open to interacting with people. You want to hear people's stories. You want to hear what people think about you. You want to hear about what they think about your country, your culture. So yeah, it was great. Nice. Fantastic.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you also put me on to like Anthony Bourdain. Oh, like what, what, was it No Reservations? He's so real, yeah, he has, he's had it's like he's had like yeah. eight different shows. No Reservations, Parts Unknown. Like yes. all, all yeah. the titles sound the same, but yeah. like yeah. <laughs> but you introduced me to him, yeah. and I was just like, "Yo, this guy's around the world eating the best foods, but really getting into the cultures of everywhere he yeah. went." Yeah, yeah. And that sort of opened my eyes to what you're saying right now. Yeah, uh, in regards to almost confirming that there's a different world out there versus mm. from where you're living.
0: Right, right. You know,
1: just that confirmation is empowering. Yeah, you know? exactly. Like even just putting yourself in an environment where you're not comfortable. Right, <laughs> It's like right. we you're not, we don't know everything. Right, right. We don't know the streets. Right. You know, like the back of your hair, you really have to almost use your wits to get around yeah. and it's it exciting. Right, You, you right, right. feel alive. Everything's you
0: know? a risk. Everything feels a like risk. a... Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So that's the best feeling. So mm-hmm. paint the picture, like how was Japan as a country and the cities that you visited? How was um, that trip?
0: Well, I first went to Tokyo, which at the time my exposure to Japan and to like Tokyo was what I had known from my friend who I was staying with, what I'd seen in the media, some Japanese movies and TV shows that I've watched, some anime, and then music. And I think that was around the time when Gwen Stefani was like trying to introduce her Harajuku girls.
1: Uh, do you remember? Do you remember
0: that? <laughs> no, I don't. Oh no. <laughs> tell,
1: tell <laughs> she, us. Tell had, she had
0: a whole album that was dedicated to the Japanese Harajuku subculture. Mm which i mean i think is actually problematic now that i know a lot more <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> than i did oh, at the on. time it's a little bit problematic <laughs> in some ways but you know i don't know i guess that brings up the topic of cultural appropriation too because in one way yes it definitely appropriated japanese cultures but in another way it introduced a lot of people to japanese cultures so it's almost like harmful but helpful because then i mean if you're inquisitive enough to dig deeper into it, you can learn about the culture and make decisions for yourself about it but right. in other ways it's kind of like she's just using it to i guess inform her art
1: right so yeah how was oh Japan yeah back feels? on track yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah back on track yeah it was great because i felt like based on the media i had watched and the things i had heard about it i was really disoriented in an exciting way because mm. Everything, it was like being a kid in a candy store, you know, it was like sensory overload, different language, different smell, different colors, different Mm. everything. My senses just felt very heightened. Kind of the way people talk about, I've never been to India, but Mm. I imagine it's kind of the way for me at the time, it felt like the way somebody might feel when they go to India where I know it's very vivid colors, vivid scents, vivid sounds, a lot of people, yeah. this and that. That's the one thing people ask me a lot when I came back is like, oh, there's a lot of people, right? It was really crowded and it wasn't it at all. Mm. I think there's one crossing. I think it's like Shibuya. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That everyone, one, yeah. There's that one crosswalk. And I think people think that's representative of the whole country. That right. it's just like a lot of people are right, right, like, right. you know, nobody like can walk in anywhere. New York,
1: like people think all of New York is like Times Square. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it wasn't
0: like that at all. It was okay. very spacious, quiet. Mm. Everybody was polite. You know, something I did find interesting, and it's still something I every time I meet, or not every time I meet, but, you know, occasionally I'll meet somebody from Japan and I'll ask them their opinions on this. But I felt like there was a pretty warm response towards... African-Americans in Japan, which I wasn't expecting. And I know that's not the same in a lot of other Asian countries, but I don't know what it is. And I still haven't gotten a concise answer.
1: How so? Like, how would you say the reception was? was Um,
0: I mean, I'd say everybody I met was very friendly, but it was a particular interest in the culture, in the music, in our style and Mm. a lot of things and you know whether it was fetishization or like a genuine connection i'm not sure like i said i still haven't gotten a concise answer Mm. as to why that is but i just felt like it was a very sort of warm and inviting feeling that i got
1: yeah like an appreciation an
0: appreciation Yeah, yeah. yeah not like a yeah, it was very warm.
1: And that was something that I think hip hop culture is very responsible for. Oh,
0: absolutely. Like
1: hip hop culture specifically, like break dance culture. You would show me videos and I would see these amazing hip hop dance groups from Japan that were just killing oh, yeah. it. Like, Oh, they still they could, are. They yeah. could, they could, <laughs> they could like go up against anyone in the world yeah. and like kill it. They were just so good. But it just goes to show how strong Black culture, hip hop culture, urban culture is worldwide because people connect with it and appreciate it. I was actually talking with a friend and he was saying and you know, people around the world, they just love hip hop culture and they appreciate it as like rare art as we would see art in a museum, like these amazing paintings by Picassos and the Dalis and they see hip hop culture on that level, you know, and they appreciate it as such. And they're like, we see the value in this, so. I think, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> I agree,
0: I agree. I think there are a lot of people who do see it that way, but I think something else that's becoming more of an issue there are certain countries and certain cultures where there's a lot of appropriation and a mm. lot of admiration for hip-hop culture mm. but a lack of appreciation for black culture and black right. people right, right and that's really hurtful and i'm not calling out any country specifically but there are certain countries that have industries that are thriving off of appropriating black hip-hop culture Mm. but there's still like a very blatant disrespect for black people in black culture yeah which is really unfortunate i think a lot of it is ignorance Mm. as is most racism and most hatred but I really hope that that's a dialogue that starts to happen. And yeah. I think and I think it is starting.
1: People yeah. are starting
0: to realize that, hey, we can't just admire the products of the culture. We also have to respect
1: the people, the of creators the of the
0: culture. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's
1: so real. Not just in the other country that goes for here.
0: Oh, absolutely. Here, it's too. It's not more yeah. so yeah. here
1: than anywhere else. Yeah. So Japan being the first country you went to, what are some of the other countries that you've traveled to?
0: Um, not as many as you, actually. I'm surprised that you. I'm surprised that, yeah, this is it. I caught
1: up a little bit. No,
0: you exceeded. Um, I mean, this last year, I did a whole Asia trip. I went to Thailand, China, South Korea, Hong Kong, Taiwan. Yeah, that's, that's actually it.
1: Mm-hmm. This
0: year, I'm going to Europe, I'll be going to Italy. And then in January, I'll be doing South America. Well, I guess, uh, nope, still North America. Mexico, <laughs> still, north, still North America.
1: Nice. What you'll be doing out there in Europe and these other places for work or for, for um, living or both?
0: Both, nice. actually, yeah. I hope to actually link up with some other creators for Open Canvas. Oh, Maybe nice. do a few episodes. Definitely. While I'm out there. Definitely. Also weddings, friends' weddings. Nice, nice. Yeah
1: great. So one of the things that we've sort of been able to do here just with Open Canvas is just connect with a lot of our creative friends and people that we know are doing amazing things and just highlighting them and giving them a platform to be able to share their creativity. Mm -hmm. For you, over these past few years of just seeing the creative arts world in Mm -hmm. New York, specifically amongst people our age, Mm -hmm. what do you think is the state of creativity and young people in art. Like what do you feel? Is it in a good place? Do you think it's not as good as it should be? What do you feel?
0: Oh man. Interesting. I think about this a lot because Before I moved to New York City for school, I always had this vision of the art and creative scene being very similar to like the art scene in the 80s and 90s, where you had Basquiat and Warhol and like you know parties and just like warehouse, and everybody had like huge loft studios, and they were just like creating all the time, (laughs) and like didn't have to worry about
1: high rent prices. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I just thought it was going to be like pure creation and fun, and you meet people, and you just just all all of that. Yeah. I think there is still a little bit of that energy, but it's not nearly the same as I think Mm. it used to be or what I thought it would be because of how expensive it is to live here. People are really forced to prioritize creating things that will sell, Mm. whether it be for themselves or for a company. That's a priority before your own practice. So I think that definitely influences the culture, the creative culture. When you're focused on making a living, before you are focused on creating for yourself. And you know, you could go to art school and be an artist, be a designer, but at the end of the day, if whatever you're creating isn't enough to sustain itself, Then you're creating stuff for other people, Mm. companies to make that living so you can pay your rent, etc. But I do think that there's an optimism right now, especially in young people, because people are desperate for a place to do that, to express themselves. And that's the beauty of art and creativity in general is that people are always going to want to do that. And I feel like that's kind of the most accessible form to do that because it can take any form painting, drawing, traditional photography, design, fashion design, graphic design. It's endless. Music, comedy, whatever it is. You can just sit down one day or stand up, (laughs) depending (laughs) on what kind of art you're doing, and just do it. Dance, whatever it is. You don't have to ask anybody for permission to do it. And I think that's one of the few things in this world that you don't need somebody's permission for. Right. We're always seeking permission from somebody Mm. for something, you know, not just like, people who are older than you. It could be your peers. It could be anybody. You're always seeking permission to coexist, mm. I guess. But you don't need permission to create something.
1: Right, right. You, you
0: can just do it.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, that's the key. Like you said, I think there is an optimism now. The realization of what a creative entrepreneur actually is, is becoming mm-hmm. more and more a reality for people. Mm-hmm. Because we're in a world where, and specifically in a city like New York where rent is crazy mm-hmm. and you're trying to find a way to make a living, but also pursue your creative passions right. without selling out, without selling your right. dream, without right. selling out selling your passions to where you feel like you're cheapening yourself. Right. So the advent or just the realization of what a creative entrepreneur is becoming more of a reality for people. Mm-hmm. You know, to realize, wait, I don't necessarily have to be boxed into just being a quote unquote creative because. Honestly, like a few years ago, being called the creative was like a condescending term. Oh yeah. That's like but now it's trendy. Yeah, Yeah. now it's trendy. Yeah. But like not too long ago really. If you were called creative or if you worked at a company where you were in the creative department, you were seen as less important or less valuable Mm -hmm. to the overall company. You didn't make the real decisions.
0: Right. You were just
1: dictated in terms of what you were told to do and you just created for the people who make the real money. Right. But now more than ever, it's like, yes, the creative is actually the person who's making the real decisions. Mm-hmm. Like they're mm-hmm. the real tastemakers. They're the real people who are actually have the power and the voice and the influence. So the influence, right. instead of selling that creativity, we're realizing, wait, we can actually house it and make it work for us, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, so that being a creative entrepreneur means so much more now than ever.
0: Right. I think dually, though, it's created a sort of insecurity for a lot of people. Creatives, Mm. because everybody can be a creative and everybody's labeling themselves as Mm. a creative. Yeah. So it creates an insecurity for people to be like, I mean, for myself personally, I'll just be vulnerable here. When I meet people and I say I'm a creative, a multidisciplinary designer, sometimes I get the reaction like, oh, YouTube, you know, Mm. like they don't say that, but you know, that's kind of the vibe. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like, no, like I've been doing this my whole (laughs) life. Like I went to school for this. It's legit. Like, you know, this is what I do. But because there's this sort of saturation Mm. of creative, especially in this city, I think it's created a little bit of an insecurity for some people to prove themselves. Yeah. Which I think is fine, you know, but it's a part
1: of it. Yeah. As well. No, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that is a real thing. But the good thing about it is, like with any good art or good anything, the real will remain. Yeah. Like the quality will rise to the top.
0: Right. You know? Right. So
1: if you're going to commit to doing something and you're going to create something, do it to the best of your ability, mm-hmm. make it something worthwhile, yep. and make it of quality so that it'll last. Especially with Instagram mm-hmm. and social media in general, it's like we're, we're almost, since we overload with, trends and things that are the new cool thing, the new cool this, the new cool that, That is like, man, am I just supposed to jump on this wave or that wave or how do I even create my own wave? There's so much noise,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: and there's so much that we have to sort of process through to figure out what's actually quality, you right. know? So, That's something that I think we can actually pursue is like say, no, let's create quality work. Let's create things that are going to last. Let's have conversations that are meaningful so that a week from now, it'll still be around. It won't be like, okay, that was cool for this time. Now, what's the next thing? Let's create something that has a little more staying power.
0: longevity.
1: Right, right. very,
0: uh, you watch Gary Vee, right?
1: Yeah, you put me on to Gary (laughs) Vee. Yeah, Yeah. that's
0: very, that's, you know, play the long game. He's always talking about that. But it's true. You got to create something that is quality, but that sort of transcends trends, which is kind of ironic. I mean, especially for myself, since I used to work in fashion, I still sort of do dabble in fashion, which is a very trend centric industry. And that's part of the reason I think I sort of became disinterested in fashion a little bit, because I didn't get into it for that reason. I got into it to create art. And unfortunately, people don't want (laughs) to, maybe not unfortunately, but most people don't want to wear art every day. Actually, I'm really excited. That, do you know that the Ray Kawakubo yes. exhibit? Yes. The Met, Comme des Garcons? Yeah. My favorite designer, my inspiration behind a lot of my aesthetic is her work because it's very against the grain and it's very uninfluenced. You know, Ooh. it's very like... I like
1: that word. <laughs>
0: no, it's true. It's very... Wow. It's very... You can tell that, like, conceptually, it is her concept.
1: It's from a pure place.
0: It's from a very pure place. It's like, this is my concept. Wow. It may not work for you or anybody but you know it is what it is. art and i'm putting it out there that's why i got into fashion unfortunately you don't make a lot of money doing stuff like that mm. and, and that's just the truth it's just the reality because i think that society is very functional and i think that's cool too i actually love creating functional things but it's almost like you're forced to choose
1: yeah so what are you looking forward to doing you know we know what we're good at but what do you personally want to pursue in the future
0: I guess this kind of goes back to what we were talking about, about having a specific path or goal in mind and then letting that drive all of your decisions. I'm definitely in a very open place right now in my life. I have the headwear company that I'm doing and that's very specific. However, The other side of me, the multidisciplinary designer side of me, is very open to learning new things and dabbling in new technologies and collaborating with other, not only just creatives, but technologists and the academic industry and research, those sort of things. I know it sounds very general and vague, but that's kind of the way I work, you know, I just leave myself open to be inspired. And when I find something that I'm inspired by, I let that sort of drive whatever project I want to work
1: on. That's sort of the life that we should all really pursue. Being open to what inspires us. Not locking yourself to like just one concept of creativity, but seeing what else also inspires you. i have money not myself. I'm realizing there are so many avenues that you can fully actualize yourself. You can fully realize who you are. And it's fun. You know, it's enjoyable. It's actually (laughs) exciting to challenge yourself to try new things and to realize, okay, yeah, you know, I am good at one thing, but what else can I be great at? Right. You know, what else can I challenge myself with right it's almost good to find yourself at square one you know to find yourself in uncharted territory you it's know? very humbling yes yeah. yes because then you have to learn really submit yourself to the process yes. of getting better at it and that just adds to your overall person mm-hmm. you know you become a better person and you can add something else to the greater conversation you know mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. culture
0: something i will say is that i know th- Most of the people that listen to this podcast are probably creatives, but I think this sort of a thing, this concept isn't limited to creatives. I think you could be doing something very specific. You could be an accountant, you could be a teacher, you could be um, anything. And that doesn't mean that you can't challenge yourself to learn about something new and completely opposite of whatever it is that you're doing. It it just makes you... uh, frankly just makes you a better person. Mm. You you learn about something new, you have something new to talk about, you have something new to think about, Mm. you have an outlet. It just makes you a more engaging human being. And I think that if everybody in every industry sort of took on this philosophy not only do you live a more enriched life but you can enrich other people's lives you know imagine what it would be like to talk to somebody in a completely opposite industry and teach them about something random and then they teach you about something random yeah. completely unrelated to what each of you do yeah it's really a new way of educating people that's outside of the classroom
1: absolutely yeah yeah one name that just comes to mind is Virgil Abloh mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. me, like that he you know, went to school for design, yeah. uh, architectural design, yeah, and now he's applying that same fundamental knowledge to the fashion industry, mm-hmm. and it works. Mm-hmm, you know, it's mm-hmm. and it's unforced, it's real, and people are beginning to see the connections of different disciplines. Yes, and like you, <laughs> using the term interdisciplinary since junior high school, yeah. probably even before then. <laughs> like you were definitely on that same frequency early, early on, and it just shows. So. Thank you for being on an episode and <laughs> dap it up. Yeah. <laughs> and just adding so much to the open canvas on so many levels. We all really learned you know, something. In our I business. learned a lot. <laughs> yeah, this has you been know? wonderful. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And definitely have you on again for sure.
0: Absolutely. I'll keep <laughs> you guys posted with my next project.
1: Yeah. No, just before we close out, tell people where they can find you, your business, your different endeavors. How can people get in contact with you?
0: Sure. We'll start with Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> you can find me on the gram at Cheris, C-H-A-R-I-S, Alexander. And you can check out my personal work, my website, CherisAlexander.com.
1: Nice. And how do you spell Charis this C-H-A-R-I-S. It's like Paris, except
0: with a C-H in
1: the beginning. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Dope. Well, this has been The Open Canvas. Charis Alexander, Taj Alexander, and we're out. To find out more about The Open Canvas, hit up our website, theopencanvas.com. Also, stay tuned to our Instagram, at The Open Canvas. And for any questions or inquiries, hit up my email, opencanvas at gmail.com.
0: This has been The Open Canvas, produced by Taj Alexander and edited by Amanda Hughes.